Another week, the college basketball season continues to unfold and unwrap in the Big 12. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's good to be here with you for another week. And uh, we found out some big news this week, by the way. The NCAA tournament is going to be starting later than usual. Yes, later than usual per the NCAA tournament and a March Madness. Here's what we've got from the uh, March Madness folks, the NCAA. So everything is basically going to be pushed back uh, a couple of days in the early rounds. Here's what this is going to look like in case you missed it during the week. The first four games, not the first round, those first four games are going to be played on a Thursday, March 18th. That would typically be... That would typically be the start of the first round. Instead, it's the first four. And remember, this entire NCAA tournament is taking place uh, in the state of Indiana. Then you're going to have the first round played on Friday and Saturday, March 19th and March 20th. The second round will take place on Sunday, Monday, March 21st and March 22nd. That will be then followed up the next week by the Sweet 16, which will be on Saturday and Sunday, March 27th and March 28th. The Elite Eight will take place on Monday and Tuesday, March 29th and March 30th. And then the Final Four is on April 3rd. That's Saturday. And Monday, April 5th is the National Championship. So the last weekend is going to be the normal Saturday Final Four, Monday National Championship. That's how that's going to be structured uh, for the NCAA tournament. Now, I'm sure they've got their reasons for this, and I'm sure that there is a lot of thought that is put into it beyond me. Uh, And I'll get to that here in a second. But I got to say, I don't care for it. I mean, those first round games on Thursday, Friday, taking you into the weekend for the, you know, round of 32 games. Oh, gosh, it's just those are the best four days in in sports in many ways Four of the best days. And I say this as a guy who is a, a football guy, first and foremost, right? Like I love uh, college basketball, but I am a college football guy, first and foremost as a sport. But that first weekend of the NCAA tournament is just awesome. I mean, you cannot beat the excitement, the buzzer beaters, the hype. It's going to be different this year with no fans, of course, but still, this is what you're looking like here and what it's going to look like for the NCAA tournament that will be played in the entire state of Indiana. 55 of the 67 games taking place in Indianapolis. Also, games are going to be held in West Lafayette and Bloomington, um, Hinkle Fieldhouse, Bankers Life Fieldhouse, Indiana Farmers Coliseum, Lucas Oil Stadium. So it's going to be all over the state of Indiana. Now, I also think about this, and I'm like, okay, I get not wanting guys traveling all over the place, but does this accomplish what they want it to accomplish outside of avoiding airplanes, you know, on back-to-back weekends? I'm not sure, like, if this really prevents anybody from getting COVID-19. I'm really not sure on that, to be honest, because all you're really doing is saving guys a flight to and from the round of 32 games to the Sweet 16 games. Like, that's it. Because if you lose that first weekend, you go home, you're done. If you win, you basically stay in the state of Indiana. So what you're preventing guys from doing is having to fly home after the round of 32 games and then fly somewhere else for the Sweet 16. 
But I don't think this is the bubble atmosphere that they think it's going to be and that, you know, the NBA had. It's it's a loose version of that. Um, and maybe, I mean, I hope it'll work, obviously. None of us want these games to be delayed. And, of course, you know, the less people that have COVID, the better. But uh, this is not the panacea that I believe some want it to be. I, I just, I don't believe that. So that's what's going on right now with the NCAA tournament and some news that came out this week. So mark those calendars, right? Like if your boyfriend or your girlfriend, um, I should say girlfriend or boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. If your significant other likes to know, hey, I am not going to be moving from the couch over those four days, just let them know the four days change. Like my wife knows that Thursday at the NCAA tournament, Friday, uh, you're not going to find me. I mean, I'll, I'll do my job as a dad, but outside of that, you're not going to find me. You know what my ritual is, by the way? This is my ritual. Thursday of the NCAA tournament, what do I do? I get Chinese food for lunch every single year. That is my ritual. I'm not saying you have to join me, but I'm saying it's pretty damn good. Chinese for lunch, Thursday of the NCAA tournament. It is a thing of beauty. I'm going to have to push it to Friday, though, because I can't do it. The first four games are at night anyway, and they don't they don't really excite me. So I'll have to move it to Friday, Friday this year. <laughs> oh, man. Also, now to football. The lead story in the Big 12 in football is the staff that Steve Sarkeesian is putting together. Uh, he has now got Pete Kwiatkowski as his defensive coordinator, hiring him away from the Washington Huskies. Now, this is a guy who's going to replace Chris Ash, um, and we know that Chris Ash was, was well-liked by the players there in Austin. He's joining Urban Meyer down in Jacksonville with the Jaguars. But Kwiatkowski is a guy who was making over a million bucks a year at Washington. I kind of compared him to uh, Brent Venables at Clemson, a guy who was just happy making seven figures, and who wouldn't be making seven figures in a place that he likes coaching, not sure if being a head coach is right for him, but... This is even more impressive that Texas pulled this off compared to Brent Venables, who's been rumored for head coaching jobs. Kwiatkowski is not coming to be a head coach. He is leaving for a parallel position, defensive coordinator at Texas. Now, I'm sure Texas is going to pay him a boatload of money. As of this conversation, we don't have those numbers in front of us, but they were paying Todd Orlando two years ago. He was under a contract for $1.7 million. So a guy like Kwiatkowski is not leaving Washington to join Steve Sarkeesian in a lateral move uh, unless he's getting a substantial, substantial pay raise. But this guy has produced some of the best defenses in the Pac-12 over the uh, last several years. How about this? Seven seasons in charge of the defense. Washington's defense had only given up more than 20 points per game twice. His 2017 defense was the best, statistically allowing 16.1 points per game. If you want to use advanced stats, 11 seasons as a defensive coordinator, Pete Kwiatkowski's defense is ranked inside the top 25 of FEI or S&P Plus 10 times. 10 times. I thought Chris Ash was doing a good job as the season went on with this defense. Not great, but a good job. The players like playing for him. But I am very, very excited about watching this guy, Pete Kwiatkowski, and what he is doing, uh, what he can do, with this Texas defense. And boy, Steve Sarkeesian, I questioned the hire out of the gates. I still have some concerns, but I'll tell you right now, you can't say that this guy is not putting together a hell of a staff. 
He got uh, Jeff Banks last week. I believe we touched on that. Uh, Jeff Banks leaving Alabama to join Steve Sarkeesian's staff as the assistant head coach, special teams coordinator, and tight ends coach. He's also a great recruiter. I saw this on 247sports.com. He's a top five recruiter in the country, according to their rankings. Uh, Kyle Flood from Alabama joins the program as the offensive line and offense coordinators coach. So this is uh, a, a major overhaul. And what you're seeing from Steve Sarkeesian is the realization that uh, it's about more than just you. And I think he learned that from Nick Saban. It's not just about who's leading the program. It's who do you have underneath you? And can you let those guys succeed? Can you let them flourish? And can they do their jobs to the best of their abilities, which make you look good? Because that's what this is about. It makes them look really good. And I have been very impressed with what Steve Sarkeesian is doing. And you got to give it to um, Texas. You know, they're going to pay Tom Herman a lot of money to go away. That entire coaching staff's making a lot of money to go away. And they are dumping a lot of dough, ton of dough into this new staff. But I'm not going to be ignorant and say Tom Herman's back or Texas is back, not Tom Herman. (laughs) I won't sit here and say Texas is back because I've got to see it to believe it. I'm sorry. I've got to see it to believe it. I think they can be the third best team in the Big 12 next year behind Oklahoma and Iowa State. The talent's always there. The talent's never the problem. The question is, what is going on um, in terms of taking these guys who have immense talent and actually putting those talents to use and building them as players? That's key. Let's get to the Big 12 basketball scene. Our guy Matthew Postens always brings it during the hoop season. We'll dive through the conference with him coming up next. And before we get to it with our buddy, Matthew, please do leave us a rating and a review on this podcast. It helps us more than you realize. That's why I ask you for it every single week, because it helps build this show on iTunes and all the other podcast platforms. So please do take a moment out, do that for us, and we will send you a free Heartland College Sports Koozie in the mail when you leave me a rating and a review on this show and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thank you guys so much, and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Well, during the basketball season, this time each and every week, we talk to our Big 12 basketball guru, Matthew Postens, is on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. And, uh, Matthew, there's a lot to discuss in this conference in terms of what's going on on the court, but also interesting about what's going on off the court, or I should say what's not happening on the court, and that's more games getting postponed uh, due to COVID-19. You wrote an interesting piece this week on the website uh, just about what the options might be for the Big 12 if more games do get postponed as of right now. I mean, what do you think's realistic uh, for this conference and some of the issues that they're facing? Well, when you think about the fact that there's, by my count, there's 10 games that have been postponed. There's only one game that's been rescheduled. Let's be clear. The the West Virginia-Baylor game has been rescheduled for that Thursday in mid-February. But that TCU game, the one that they moved back a day, that was a regularly scheduled game. So they still haven't rescheduled the original West Virginia-TCU game that was supposed to be played last weekend in Morgantown. You've got four teams that aren't even playing this weekend, Texas, Iowa State, Texas Tech, and TCU, because Iowa State and TCU are both on COVID pauses. 
and they both just happen to be playing Texas and Texas Tech this week. So I, I don't think you're going to get all 10 of these games rescheduled because there doesn't seem to be any wherewithal to postpone or cancel the SEC challenge, which is next weekend. Um, you've only got about a, a 10 or 11 day buffer. You don't want to ask these teams to play three games in the week before they go to the big 12 tournament. So I think what the big 12 is ultimately going to have to do is as they try to reschedule these games, they're going to have to kind of project a little bit and look ahead and see which games are going to be most relevant to determining seating and determining the conference championship, which means there's probably going to be an emphasis on trying to get Baylor games rescheduled, West Virginia games rescheduled, Texas games rescheduled, any, any games with Kansas rescheduled. And then the rest of them, it's going to be kind of on a, Hey, can we get this done? Great. If we can't, no big deal. But, you know, with, you know, some, you know, West Virginia was off for a week and a half. That gives you a real indication of if you've got a COVID issue in your program, how long are you going to be down? They were down for a week and a half. They'll finally play again this weekend, hopefully, but that's three games and they've only rescheduled one. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't see everybody in this conference playing the, the full double round robin the way things are going right now. I would agree, based on what we're seeing here the last week or so. Uh, thankfully, we are seeing some games. And uh, this past Monday, Baylor uh, took care of business against Kansas. As is typically the case, you know, we always want to talk about what's going wrong for the team that's struggling. So Kansas, uh, what are what are the issues right now there, Matthew? I mean, there's there appears to be more maybe than we expected before the season. What's the biggest problem for this team? Uh, I think it's shooting overall. Uh, they're not as good a shooting team as they've been in years past. Um, you know, Bill Self has put an emphasis on trying to get this team to take more threes, which means they have to shoot a better percentage from the three-point line, and they're not really doing that right now. They, they shot a good percentage against Baylor the other night, but they just didn't take enough threes, and Jared Butler had an enormous evening. He scored seven threes on his own uh, for Baylor. But consistently right now, they're not shooting well. And even with the emergence of David McCormick inside and the way he's played the last few games, uh, you know, they, they've got to have that consistent outside shooting to go along with it. That's not really Marcus Garrett's forte. That's more Christian Brown. It's more Ochai Abaji, who's one of the few players in the Big 12 shooting better than 40% from the three-point line. But one guy shooting like that is not enough on a consistent basis. This team needs a couple of other guys to start shooting better from the outside to support David McCormick inside and Abaji on the perimeter. If they can do that, they can they can get themselves into a more consistent groove. But, you know, now having lost three conference games and Baylor being undefeated going into uh, the next stage of the conference schedule, that, that's going to be a really difficult road for Kansas to even get a share of the conference championship at this point. Yeah, it's a very good point. He's Matthew Poston. He's joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Uh, there's there's a couple of the teams I want to dive into, but let's go from uh, you know the top of the conference to what is happening at the bottom of the conference. Uh, you wrote a compelling piece this week on Steve Prohm, the Iowa State head coach. How hot is his seat, Matthew? Uh, you know, a lot of Iowa State fans, it seems like, are uh, kind of fed up with where the basketball program is. Uh, and I think some fans pointed out to you on social media after your article came out that. Uh, the success that Steve Prohm has had, frankly, was with uh, uh, Fred Hoiberg's guys. So what do you think is going on with this program and, and what the future holds for Steve Prohm and Ames? Well, one of the focuses of the piece was really about his recruiting since he's been there at Iowa State. And he's pulled some solid players uh, when you think about the top 100. But 
the one year that he had really good success, you know, outside of that Fred Hoiberg window was that class of players that he pulled out of Chicagoland, Taylor Horton Tucker, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, they played a big role along with a couple of really good transfers and then winning the Big 12 tournament. That sandwiched in between, in between two, you know, losing seasons and he's on course for a third losing season. When you're not Kansas, when you're not Texas, You've got to bring players in, you've got to develop them, and you've got to be able to keep them for three or four years. You really can't blame Taylor Horton Tucker or Tyrese Halliburton for leaving early for the NBA, especially Halliburton. He was a lottery pick. But last year's class with so many guys transferring out and so many guys graduating, you know, that, that to me is, is a bit of a warning sign in terms of the program. Now, it's happened to TCU, and they've bounced back. It happened to Kansas State. And I think Bruce Weber's done a really good job of bringing in a large group of guys that can help get them back on the right track. This class this year, they had Xavier Foster, really good player, top 40 player in the country, out for the season with an injury. Their transfers have been good, but not great. And the rest of the team just doesn't have a lot of depth right now. So, you know, I think a, I think a big piece of this is recruiting. And I think the question Iowa State's going to have to ask itself at the end of the season is, can Steve Prohm go out and get the guys that he needs to, A, elevate this program and be can he keep them for multiple years and if they don't feel that he can do that then this might be his last year at Iowa State I'm betting he'll be there for one more year because the look of hiring of firing a guy during the pandemic isn't that great but Texas football did it with Tom Herman and they yeah. did it after they missed out on Urban Meyer so um, I, I would say that he'll probably be back one more year but if he is back for one more year, it's very much a make or break year for him in terms of needing success on the floor to continue to be the head coach. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, when you look around this conference after Baylor and Texas, you've got five teams that are sitting there between two and three and four and three, Texas Tech, Kansas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. Uh, I'm sure I could ask you this every week, and I might do it because it's kind of a fun exercise <laughs> and say, who's the best of that bunch? Who's the third best team in the Big 12? Who is it today? Jeez, right? and I think normally I would say West Virginia, but they haven't played in a week and a half. And I still think they're that type of team that could be a three or four seed in the NCAA tournament because before they went on their COVID pause, even though they lost two of their three games going into the pause, they had finally figured things out without Oscar Shibway. You know, they had they the the room they wanted to give Derek Culver in the middle was there for him. He was playing great basketball. Their guards were really starting to step up and take more of the offense. They were integrating a little press Virginia defense going in there. So to me, I still kind of feel like they're, them and Texas are the two teams that are probably the third or the number three teams in the conference with, you know, you know Texas probably, probably being ahead of them right now because I really just like the mix of their top six players in their starting lineup and Kai Jones coming off the bench. But the great thing about this conference is Texas Tech can go into Texas a week ago, win that game. Uh, the great thing about this conference is Texas can go to West Virginia, beat West Virginia. West Virginia can go on the road to Oklahoma State, fall behind by 18 and win uh, a week after doing the same thing to, to, uh, to Oklahoma and losing. So that's what makes this conference so great right now. It's so competitive. And even though Baylor, I think, is the best team in the conference, there's not a lot of difference now between Kansas and West Virginia and Texas and Texas Tech, and, and maybe you could even start including Oklahoma State in that conversation now. Well, this is where I, I, we've got a couple minutes here, but I, I just think of those teams. Is it possible, Matthew, that the ceiling of those teams is the highest for Oklahoma State? Like, come March, that could be the best of this bunch based on that young talent in Cade Cunningham? 
I I think that there's a possibility. You know, the way Cade is played, you know, that kind of overshadows everybody else on the roster. But the the youngsters in this team have really come a long way the last couple of weeks in terms of their ability to play with the lead. Now I'm interested to see the next game they get. Yeah, because they've lost a couple of games to COVID, not in within their program, uh, but within other programs, is you know can they can they start winning games when they have a big lead? Because they've lost two big leads in a row to West Virginia, and they lost, and then to Kansas, but they won. So that represents growth. the The ceiling for this team is how well they can adjust to being a team that's more of a front runner in some of these games when they play teams they should obviously beat, like Kansas State and Iowa State. And and even TCU, can they hold the lead? Can they maintain the lead? And then can they steal a couple of games from some of these teams that are perceived to be better than them? Earlier this week in bracketology for CBS, it was a very stark difference. Uh, Jerry Palm at CBS had them at a number four seed, which I thought was just crazy that he had them that high. Joe Lenardi had them as an eight. So maybe somewhere in the middle in terms of the NCAA tournament, that's their ceiling. And that's going to be a fun, fun ceiling to follow. What a year it is for Big 12 basketball. We do it each and every time this week with this guy. He's Matthew Postens on Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo. Matthew, great to have you on as always. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Hey, appreciate it, Pete. Coming up next, we'll get to the uh, final thoughts of the week on heartlandcollegesports.com. <laughs> We've got a few minutes left with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. I'm Pete Mundo, and it's great to be here with you for another week. We are in the thick of the basketball season, but I'll tell you what, uh, fall camp, or not fall camp, I wish fall camp was around the corner, spring camp, spring practice, just a few weeks away. Can you believe it? I can't. I can't. I got so much feedback from you guys last week, by the way. On, um, I wrote about this, and I talked about it as well, and that was uh, Kansas State and Stanford, that season-opening game moving to Texas, and how it's everything wrong with college football. In a year when these college towns are getting decimated due to the pandemic, uh, they haven't had, obviously, packed stadiums. That hurts these bars and restaurants. They haven't had full colleges. That hurts these bars and restaurants. Many of them are hanging on by a thread. And they have been just decimated here over the past uh, 10 months. And to see a game like K-State Stanford move from on campus at Kansas State in Bill Snyder Family Stadium and going down to Jerry World, I, it just it rubbed me the wrong way. And I appreciate those of you that reached out, whether it was through Twitter, at Heartland underscore CS, or uh, emailed me, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, whatever it might be. Whether you agree or disagree, I appreciate you reaching out because we always like that kind of feedback, or I'm on Twitter personally as well, at Pete Mundo. But I stand by it. I hate every single thing about that idea, that Kansas State and those small business owners around Manhattan are losing that September 4th game against Stanford when you would have had a packed stadium, God willing, in a post-COVID era. And they're losing that revenue to put a game in Jerry World for more money in Jerry Jones's pocket and all the chains that are around AT&T Stadium. I know some K-State fans have reached out to me. They're excited about being able to, you know, go out and uh, spend the weekend in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. 
think about the small business right now, please. Is that all that difficult to do? I don't think it should be. Don't. But for some, it apparently is. And what a shame. What a shame uh, that is. All right. I want to share with you a couple of other items here across the uh, football world. Well, first thing, Big 12 baseball. Not sure if you saw this. Big 12 baseball, full steam ahead. Full schedule, road games, home games, everything else. That is awesome. Big 12 continuing to be a leader. A leader. In a COVID era when everybody's looking to be a follower. And it, um, I, I give them a lot of credit for saying, you know what? We can do this safely. We know enough to do it safely now. It's full steam ahead. Big 12 baseball schedule. Let's get it rolling. For those of you wondering, we don't do a ton of baseball. We don't. If there is um, if there's a passion or a want for baseball, uh, once again, let us know. We've done some in the past. We don't do a lot of it, though. I admit, we don't do a lot of it. So just uh, let us know if you do want more of that. But uh, we have not typically done a lot of it. The Oklahoma Sooners picked up a big offensive lineman transfer. That is Wayne Morris. He transferred from Tennessee, picking OU over Texas A&M and USC. That is uh, a big deal. This guy, 6'5", 320. Started 14 games at left tackle for the Vols uh, during the first two seasons with the program. He was a five-star prospect in the class of 2019, the number 28 overall prospect, sixth-ranked offensive tackle, number five player from the state of Georgia. Committed to Tennessee back in May of 2019 and picked the Vols over at the time, many other SEC schools and Oklahoma. And he is now joining the Sooners. Um, And how about this? He has three years of eligibility remaining. Uh, and a possible redshirt because of that free year of eligibility in 2020 due to COVID. So that is a huge pickup. Now, if this guy's as good as he can be, he's probably not here for all three years anyway. But either way, this is a huge pickup. The rich keep getting richer in Norman, Oklahoma. And it's why all this talk about, like, Lincoln Riley to the NFL. Lincoln Riley's not going to the NFL. Shut up. Stop. He's not. Okay? You think Lincoln Riley's going to go to the Philadelphia Eagles? where the last head coach won a Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the most tortured fan bases in America. Doug Peterson wins a Super Bowl, and he's out of a job less than three years later. Like, Lincoln Riley's too smart to take that job. That's why this is what's so interesting, by the way. These NFL teams, I mean, they're, they're, they're picking the bottom of the barrel. They're, they're working off the scrap heap. They're just going retread after retread after retread on coordinators, former head coaches, and, you know, these college head coaches. They've got a great thing going. They make millions of dollars in a lower cost-of-living area than most of the NFL teams are, right, because they're in major metropolitan cities. Uh, It's a little bit different to live in New York, Philadelphia, Boston, Miami than it is to live in Manhattan, Kansas, Ames, Iowa, uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma, Uh, Waco, Texas, you get the point. And those college jobs, you can have them for a long time. Unless you're a Texas, you can have them for a very long time. Like Lincoln Riley can raise his whole family in Norman, have everything he wants, makes tens of millions of dollars over his career, and he's got a stable life. Instead, he goes to the NFL and he's got to deal with, oh, three years, buddy, no Super Bowl, see you later. All right, let me go find a mid-level college to rebuild my career at and reset my career and do all that. Why? Why? 
I know the grind in college is more than it's ever been too early or you have two signing periods, one early uh, before the championship games, typically, or right after the championship games, you've got then the February signing period. And, um, you know, there's certainly a lot more that goes into it. It's 24, seven, 365, but still it is, I believe still a better lifestyle than being an NFL head coach where there is no mercy, there is little to no leeway. I mean, hell, Jim Harbaugh hasn't come close to meeting Michigan expectations from when he took the job. And didn't he just get an extension, Jim Harbaugh? I mean, geez, it's it's crazy. Now, I know some jobs are tougher than others. But, like, Matt Campbell could have three down years in a row. And Iowa State wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole, and nor should they. TCU, Gary Patterson. TCU's had three mediocre seasons in a row. Gary Patterson has that job until he decides otherwise. He's earned it. So it's just, I mean, you got to realize, these NFL head jobs, when you compare it to a college head job, is not all they're hyped up to be, unless you're an NFL guy, which most college coaches aren't. They're usually small-town guys. They, they live, breathe high school, college ball. Unless you're just NFL through and through, like a Matt Rule, uh, former Baylor coach, it's just, you got a great thing going do and you get to tutor young men and turn young men into men don't do that in the nfl you can't pete mondo heartland college sports weekly is the show heartlandcollegesports.com is the site love you guys always great to have you on board radio podcast whatever it might be enjoy the rest of your week we'll see you next week same time same place and don't forget leave us a rating and a review on that podcast it helps us tremendously keep building this show and that's why we have heartland college sports koozies for you when you leave us a rating and a review and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get you taken care of. All right? We've got that koozie waiting for you. I've got a box of them here. I just got a new shipment. So be sure to uh, get that done and get your free koozie. Also, we've got our free message boards at heartlandcollegesports.com. Go check those out. Enjoy the week, guys. We'll talk to you soon.